0: Hey, man. Hey, morning. morning, Hey, James. Well, good morning, everyone. Grace and peace. Good to see everybody. Glad you're here. Uh, looking forward to our time together as we open God's Word. Um, normally, uh, as for anybody who's been here regularly, we begin with a Psalm. Uh, today, we're going to take a little bit of a detour. We're going to go to our beloved book of Ezekiel. Woohoo! And there is, uh, especially as you move towards the uh, latter portions of the Old Testament, there begins to uh, uh, become these allusions uh, to what we have eventually called baptism and uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus's baptism uh, today which ironic is the only person that did not need to be baptized and yet was and so uh, here we are in Ezekiel chapter 36 um, let's make this a uh, prayerful beginning to our study and to our day this is God speaking he says I will take you out of the nations and I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove from from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Lord, may that be in us today. We open our hearts to you, Lord. We're thankful for this time that we can share around these tables with one another and to share around your word and community. Lord, I pray that you will give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: So really let that sink in, what he just read to you. That is Basora. That is Jesus' word for gospel. This idea that we're all coming home. And the way it begins, of course, is the Jews are coming back from their uh, diaspora. They are spread all over the world. Uh, They're coming back together, as the Scripture says. And something new is going to happen. A new spirit is going to be placed in us. It's it's a new creation. We're, We're beginning again. That scripture, what he read, didn't quite cover it, but other places do, in especially Ezekiel and Isaiah, that as the Jews come back to the mountain of God, they are joined by people who are also worshiping their God. And so it's it really is the more biblical definition of gospel. Um, A lot of times we take gospel just to mean it's the story of Jesus, it is our salvation, and that's not wrong, but it's not the whole story. And so better to sort of ground ourselves in the biblical basora, which they translate as gospel, uh, this idea that God is bringing all things to fruition. He's bringing all things home. And He's going to show us this. Uh, At the time of Bessorah is when the Messiah comes. And so Mark, in telling us how all people are being brought back to God, is telling us the story of Jesus. A lot of times when we're young, we read this as biography. It's not meant to be just the blow-by-blow. This is Jesus was born, Jesus did this. It really is to show us how God is making Ezekiel happen. How God is making everything that was potential in us, a reality. And that's going to be done by example. So let's pick up in Mark chapter 1. We'll look at verse 9. See how far we get today. So we introduce John the Baptist. Remember, he is a son of a priest, miraculous birth, cousin of Jesus. But he is so disgusted with how the priestly system has gone, that he has abandoned it all. He's gone out to live in the desert to begin again. To be a wandering Israelite for 40 years in the wilderness and to begin again. He thinks his whole nation needs to start over. Verse 9. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Now we read that and we think, Oh, I know that. Jesus grew up in Nazareth and it's in Galilee, and we move on. Let me translate that for you in, in a modern parlance. Um, Jesus came from a trailer park in West Odessa. Uh, if I'm from El Paso, I'll say uh, pff, uh, <laughs> Jesus came from a meth house in Canyetillo. And to be honest, to say meth house in Cagnotino is kind of redundant um, because there's not much else there. But this is not high praise, this is not, oh and he was from Oxford, England, or he was from New York City. Uh, Nazareth is Bumpkinville, um, where a bunch of stoneworkers are squatting because they don't want to live in the local uh, Greek town. And Galilee, Galilee is a stump. Galilee used to be land, like the Ezekiel said, used to belong to the Jews. But that was almost 800 years ago. It's long past. Uh, There's only a few Jewish settlers that are barely hanging on up there. And they live in some raunchy areas, like we talked about on Sunday. Uh, Caesarea Philippi is just in the neighborhood. So this is not the ringing endorsement that we sometimes imagine. But as all things with Scripture, there's sort of multiple layers to this. So on the one hand, the reality where Jesus is from is embarrassing. Nobody would say, uh, we expect the Messiah to, today to come from you know, New Jersey. Uh, you would expect him to come from Israel. Not you know a bad neighborhood in New Jersey, but that's where he's from. But there's this second level. Remember, a Nazareth is that little shoot of an olive tree that you put in a dead stump. And this was the prophecy in Isaiah that there would come a root of Jesse, a netzer. Uh, this idea that a Nazareth is a little little bitty tree that you planted a dead tree, and it brings the whole tree back to life. Again, it's going to this idea of Basora of gospel, that God is bringing the world to an end. He's bringing the kingdom. He's bringing the Messiah. He's making it all worthwhile. So Nazareth, on a spiritual level, would be that little shoot that grows again and Galilee would be the dead stump where everything had been lost. So, just a few words, but so much packed in there. So he comes from a no-good place, but pretty good spiritual pedigree, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. As Pastor Steve said, well, he probably didn't need to do that. John is continuing a very old Jewish practice of ritual bathing. Um, One thing I hope we we learn well through Mark is that it's not like the New Testament suddenly takes a left turn and we suddenly do things so differently than we've done before. Really what Jesus does is show us how it's always been meant to be. It's not like God said a bunch of stuff and then, man, never mind, I changed my mind. Forget all that crap. We're going to do something new. This is the fulfillment. This is the proper way to do it. This is the reality. So let me show you a mikvah. This is what the Jews ritually would bathe in. So this is part of the Old Testament law. uh, That every time you go to see God, you need to be touched by living water. Now remember, in Hebrew, they have two kinds of words uh, for water. They have dead water, which is cistern water or ditch water. And then they have living water, which is moving water. So it's, it's from a spring or it's from a river. Um, it, it sometimes it can be from a well, but it has to be moving, living. It can't be sitting and stagnant. So God said, before you see me, um, you need to be right. Uh, physically and spiritually, so they would fill uh, these uh, and these mikvahs and these things are all over. Uh, these are like the dollar stores of archaeology in Israel. They're, Jerusalem, I mean, you can't walk down the street in Jerusalem and not fall in one of these things. Uh, they're in Galilee, uh, all over the place. So that tells us something about the Jews that are. Um, living in Galilee. So you walk down the steps and you see how high it is. Uh, You completely submerge yourself, um, and it's, it's something you do on your own. This is a retaining tank uh, where they keep uh, supply of living water because it sometimes can be hard for them to get living water in certain places. Uh, they will keep sort of a reservoir here and sometimes they'll mix it. But this is sort of the, we fill it from this tank. Um, you do it completely naked. Uh, you walk down. Doo-doo. Um, gotta be above your head. And again, this is before you can see God. You have to be touched by this living water. So, this is done all the time. Um, when you go to the temple, uh, When women have kids, they have to go through this. When women menstruate, they go through this. Uh, If you've buried your father um, and you've been around dead things, you've got to go through this. Uh, If you've been sick, you go through this. I mean, it's just this regular, ongoing way of staying right with God, that you're touching the living water. So, of course, when Jesus says in the New Testament, I am the living water, it goes back, back to all this. But there was a special occasion in which, if you were not Jewish and you wanted to become Jewish, you would go through this mikveh, and it's the only time that somebody is there with you. All the other times when you were with mikveh, you do it yourself, primarily because you're naked. (coughs) <coughs> but if a God-fearer or um, a convert, proselyte, will say, wants to convert, um, they will go down these steps and they will die to their old life. Yeah. And then they, uh, the person helping them will bring them back up. And the Jews would say, this is your new family. You have been born again. So just like your mother and your family will be there the day that you're born, uh, you come up out of that water and your family is with you. So this is what John the Baptist was saying to his people. We are so bad. We are so corrupted that we need to act like a proselyte, a foreigner, and we need to start over. We need to pretend like we were never Jewish because we never were, really. We've got to to start all this over. So John is doing this, and it, you know, this riles people no ends. How dare you say, you know, we've got to start over. So Jesus goes out there, and he engages in this, this mikvah uh, in the Jordan River, um, sort of beginning again, being born again. So let me just throw this out there. Why would Jesus do that? Does he need to be born again? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. One of the things that we need to watch that Jesus will do is give us the perfect way to to live. He says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And when a rabbi says that or a Jew says that, They don't mean fulfill and stop. What they mean is that I'm going to show you the proper way to do it. And so much of what He does, and rabbis do this, it's not just what they say, but what they do. And so their teaching can be their action. They may not say a word. And here Jesus is relatively quiet. Uh, But his, His actions, that we all need to be in a place where we go into the living water in a life-changing way. Not just a regular ritual that we go through. Um, I, I think there's, there's room for that, but it's, it's later on. This is a life-and-death decision that you're making to give yourself to the living water, which is Christ. Yeah. Questions? Let me show you the real stuff. So everybody wants to go to Israel today and go to the Jordan River. Let me show you the Jordan River. Oh, Isn't that beautiful? Looks like an irrigation ditch in El Paso. Um, It's nasty. Because it's the border with Israel today, uh, or the border with Jordan today, it's heavily uh, guarded and there's only one place that you can go to the Jordan River and it's this little Jordan River stop and uh, didn't you imagine it to be a lot bigger (laughs) it's dammed today which is affecting it but it is the most commercialized boring thing today you literally have to go through a gift shop I mean, the doors come open. It's nice and air-conditioned. And, you know, please buy the water from the uh, Jordan River. And then you go outside, and then they have these baptisms that are going all day. You have to uh, register for them. So 1015, Greek Orthodox, 1020. And, you know, they have little railings out there. And wouldn't you be glad if someone come home and baptize you in that crap? (laughs) (laughs) Not only did the Holy Spirit touch you, but a few parasites did too. So, congratulations. So it is it is not what you imagined. The key for me is Galilee. So you go upriver, and we'll talk about the river, uh, the Sea of Galilee. It's it's clean, it's beautiful, it's nice, it's fresh. So if when I do baptisms in Israel. Do them in Galilee. Don't do them at this, you know, commercial spot that's just unbelievable. But a couple things that have changed about the River Jordan, in ancient times it was very fast-moving. And that just has to do with the geography. The Sea of Galilee is high relative to the Dead Sea. And so you're pretty much doing this. So it was a very fast-moving river. Um, not like it is today, just like a ditch, um, barely flowing. And then, just the, the crazy little nugget, um, the, the Jordan, it's an it's a ancient word called Yarden. And it's not Hebrew. It's a language that was before the Israelites got there. And the best we can tell, it simply means the river. Um, and today this is still what they call it in the Hebrew, Yarden. Um, so it's Yarden, den being the river, the river. Um, but we don't know what this language is. Uh, it's, it's one of the handful of words that we still have there. So eh, just, I, I'm curious about that ever to figure out what language that originally came from. But the Jordan River obviously has incredible historical significance because that's where the Israelites finally entered the promised land. Remember, they had to stick their feet in the Jordan, fast-moving, so it's going to take a little bit more faith than just um, walking through that irrigation ditch. Fast-moving, um, God parts it like He parted the Red Sea, and then they enter into the promised land. So Jesus is serving as an example, but Jesus is really serving as Israel. is beginning again as this whole nation you've tried it you've heard the story but I'm gonna show you how to get it right and so all of us need to have a point when we decide to go to the place God wants us to be to go to the promised land Jesus is 30 at this point what the heck have you been doing for three decades, Jesus? I mean, I thought I took a long time in college, just screwing around. I'm going to get my master's, right? I'm going. Can you mean God in heaven's like Jesus? This isn't meant to be for everybody, you know. I'm kidding. Um, we'll talk about what Jesus was doing, but this is the time in which rabbis begin to share their yoke. This is when rabbis become itinerant and they begin to travel and they teach their message. Now Jesus' message obviously is not like any other rabbis. He's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, he's the Son of Man, so it's much, much bigger. But fascinating that Jesus starts here, in a sense, to show us a perfect example. You want to be real Israel? You want to be a real believer? Touch the living water. Choose to become who God wants you to be. And it's, it's huge.
0: So I want you to ponder something, uh, and I want to ask Kurt this too. So, and, and so John is there in the Jordan uh, baptizing people, and so it's an effective way for them to say, for John to invite them to come out of the wilderness and then uh, re-engage fully and completely in relationship and in the promises of God, right? So it's from wilderness to the river, To the promises, right, and so notice what's fixing to happen here is that Jesus is going to go into the river, and then where is he going? Into the wilderness, right, and so hmm, maybe we need to spend some time this week pondering that. It's almost like this opposite move, and it's is it is it you know if we if uh, Jesus is giving us an example of how to be which example should we take baptism and then wilderness or wilderness and then baptism and then promises Mm. yeah and so uh it's always one of those things we talk about right this year here at first methodist we are walking with Jesus like how far are we really willing to walk like are we willing to walk with Jesus in the wilderness? Whenever I find myself in the wilderness, I find myself fighting and wanting to get out as soon as possible. You know that <laughs> feeling of being alone, that feeling of, not, of being confused and not certain, that's the wilderness. Right? It was the place in which the people of Israel had to learn to fundamentally trust in God. No food, Water, and then God provides it. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and follow Jesus into those places uh, as we follow him.
1: So, verse 10 and when Jesus came up out of the water, and so this has been the source of a lot of debate amongst Christians. Uh, we have traditionally gotten our panties in a wad over how you baptize. Can you sprinkle? Can you dunk? And he came out. I think what we know in archaeology, what we know from the text, Jesus went under. I, I'm a Methodist, but I'll say that. I mean, obviously in the mikvahs, you went under. Um, the Greek here seems to indicate that he was deep, deep in the water. And so you're you're coming out of that. Um, so I don't really see a problem with dunking at all. Um, but isn't it funny, the things that we gravitate towards and the things that we miss. The most important thing for them about the water was not how deep it was, but what? What did the water have to be? Living Living water. And we don't give a rip (laughs) when we baptize. I mean, we do, but generally in the church, turn on the faucet, it's good. Uh, that's not quite what God was after. So I think there's a spiritual level that sort of trumps all of this. But if if we're going to get into the minutiae and the details, um, and I love, frankly, to have this conversation with Church Christ people because it gives them nightmares um, <laughs> that their baptism is invalid because they didn't use living water. Um, but that's because I'm evil. Um <laughs> so sorry if anybody's Church of Christ um. but he's not really sorry <laughs> <laughs> All right. so Jesus comes up out of the water and then bang the, the, the amazing stuff happens he saw the heavens split open and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on him now wow um, no mikvah has ever ended this way uh, this is no convert baptism alone. I mean, when you get a display show from heaven, wow! Uh, this is this is powerful. So the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And we had a great question last week. You know what, what's the Holy Spirit doing here? I thought the Holy Spirit showed up at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has been here as long as. Uh, we've had scripture uh, the back in Genesis one uh, the spirit hovered over the waters at creation. I mean this has been a fundamental part of God forever um, the the Jews knew it they they still believed it was one part of God it is the Ruach the spirit the breath, and they say Ha kodesh, the spirit that is holy so it's it's always been here. Um, it becomes to indwell now that the kingdom is is coming. The place, like w- one of the names for the o- the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, is the Shekinah. So it's the glory, it's the appearance, it's the manifestation of God. Sometimes it's called the Kavod, uh, the heaviness, the the weight, the boom when God appears. But it's it's description of of the same thing. Yeah,
0: this says that as he was coming out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens open. I'm assuming, based on how that's worded, that the people that were also there didn't see that.
1: Agreed. And that—that's generally um, this was a, an experience that Jesus had, and he later remay, relays.
0: Yeah, uh, I might disagree uh, in that. L- well, no, it's all right. Uh, in that uh, later, uh, especially in, Mark, or in Matthew, there is, a, there is a sister passage to this. The, the, uh, when Jesus goes up on the mountain and experiences, he, he becomes bright white. It's called known as the transfiguration. So this is my son whom I love. See how close it is? And then it changes. Listen to him. So that would, there, certainly, uh, the, the disciples heard him, uh, heard, heard this voice from heaven. So could they possibly have heard it here too? Maybe, but uh, those, there is meant to be connection between this passage and that passage. Is like a
1: dove, is, is there any tie there to, to the dove coming to Noah and saying it's time it, it, it's time for you to, to begin again? That, that, that. So that's, that's a brilliant question, and one Steve and I worked on yesterday. And uh, I, I think there's a real obvious answer as to where they got this. Um, so let, let me just show you. Um, it's from the Talmud. Um, the Talmud is a very ancient commentary of the Bible. So when the Jews stopped speaking Hebrew, they needed... Uh, Explanation of why things are the way they are, and uh, this is the the Talmud at this point is probably about two centuries old. Uh, so it's written before the New Testament. Well before the New Testament. But in the commentary on Genesis it says, And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. So they're quoting Genesis 1-2. Like and that wording, like a dove, hovering over its young without touching them. And it's from the Babylonian Talmud. Um, festivals of uh, offering. Man, that's, uh, that, that says a lot. This, and We all dove hunt, right? You you've seen doves, right? Especially when you're gonna shoot them. They like backpedal. I mean, they they can hover but but not for long. Um, I think we have a, a picture I was looking hard for it, but you know, it's it's when they do that kind of stuff. Um, although I've never seen pigeons like or dove like that in West Texas. But I'd like to. Um, if you do don't shoot it though, because it's probably God. So you'd be in trouble. No. <laughs> um this tells us tons about this is a new creation that we've been talking about that they make this connection uh, between god being there but he's he's hovering he's he's like that parent that is watching you do it. He's not going to get down and, and do it for you. That's not His point, to make us helpless. Um, I always say God doesn't raise puppies. Um, he, he tries to raise a full-grown dog that you can take care of yourself. So He's there. He's intimately watching, caring, getting involved, but He's not going to do it for you. The other thing um, about this, this dove image and and Steve's Steve's got some stuff, which maybe I should let you go there. Um, well, no, I mean the the well anyway. Well,
0: what I do know, Tom, is you know we we feel like that this dove symbol and it's because of this passage is like a must be a rampant biblical symbol. Dove is mentioned twenty four times in the Bible. That's really not very many, but. The the passage in in gen- the two times in gen- well not it's not mentioned literally in the Bible in Genesis chapter one the Babylonian Talmud is doing that for us but then again the first time the dove is mentioned is the, the occurrence that you mentioned in uh, at the end of the uh, ark uh, with Noah but what you I, th- I think the connection to gen- back to Genesis chapter one is important what is the dove doing he is active the, the the spirit hovering over the waters in creation he is like bringing order out of chaos what was the flood it was a de- it was an act of radical decreation right that the world had to be washed clean to get a new start right and so this dove that flies out what is what does the dove bring back ah uh that creation is coming forth again right and so that is what his I I believe that this these these images just aren't random and haphazard right they are intentional that what this dove represents at Jesus' baptism is the presence of the spirit to renew and restore all of creation right not just part of it but all of it and that Jesus the one in whom the spirit lies is going to be the one that makes it all happen and what will you do with him will you follow him or will you reject him and that's what the book of Mark, who, who is the one that finally in the book of Mark besides his disciples that really and they really don't get it until after the resurrection who finally gets it Oh, back up. That guy. A Roman. Surely, he is the son of God. The Roman soldier says at, at Jesus' crucifixion that some, in some way there while he watched Jesus die, there was a new creation that happened in him. Roman! This is by big stuff and all of these little things that we are we are here in and sometimes we kind of buzz by these things but these are all going to be pointing forward to what's going to be happening later in the book
1: so i tend to be over literal so that's good or bad you can decide but do keep in mind that it's it's very careful in greek that it's like a dove yeah it is not a dove it's not a bird he saw uh, which that language is very, very close, well, exactly what the Talmud said. It's not saying in the beginning God was a bird. And there's a lot of pagans that say that. Um, God was hovering like a bird. The other thing it tells us is where Jesus is from. It tells us so much what we know about Galilee. Think about when we studied David. When David wanted to understand something from God, how did he do it? He went. He used the dice, right? Uh, He used the ephod. That's what we're talking about. Uh, He would talk to the priests. uh, He would talk to prophets. Sometimes. Uh, Sometimes, yeah. (laughs) His track record wasn't great, but... um, How many times did uh, David break open the uh, Bible? How many times did he look at Moses' writing? Yeah, well, we have no record of it. He, he didn't. We'll talk about more on this on Sunday, but there has been a transition in the way the people are relating to God, and it's a transition that we're in today. We moved from a point where there was this direct revelation, there was a prophet that was leading you, there was a priest, there was a king, to an appreciation of God's word. That process is done by the rabbis. So no longer is it the the, the prophet necessarily. I mean, there, there are still prophets. John the Baptist is a prophet. There's others. They, they still bring words from God. But we've moved into this, I think by God's design, a place where we have His Word. And so those people that can help you understand His Word as applied to today become very ra- valuable. These are the rabbis. And so this is what this commentary... Is, is a tool of Galilee is known for its rabbis even though it's outside Jewish territory the priests and gangs are still popular down there but where Jesus is from they hold I mean where does Jesus go on Saturday when, when he's back home where does he go so, yeah. he goes to the synagogue this is different than going for the temple in Judah Synagogue is where you go and you study Scripture. This is a new thing. This had not been done in the time of David and Moses and, and gang. Since the exile, they've started really focusing on Scripture. This tells us, again, that Mark knew this kind of stuff. Uh, Mark is raised in this world. He's raised in trying to under, understand Scripture the best that he can. And this is why these these lessons, these quotes... Now, I, I'll be clear. The Talmud is not Scripture. It's not. Uh, no Jew would really say that it's even Scripture. But it does help us understand a lot of things, uh, like this this Dove stuff. So think about where we are today... You know, I, I saw a meme on Facebook. Not that those are good, but there was a guy standing outside saying, "Lord, speak to me." Lord, speak to me. And God did. Okay, there you go. There's your Bible. I mean, we are in a place where God's not hiding what He's saying. He's not holding His Spirit back from us. He's He's saying, "Understand." Yeah, do do it again. It's that dove hovering. I'm not here to tell you, all right, sweetie, get up and put your pants on, and mommy's going to make you breakfast, and then mommy's going to take you to school. That's not our God. He's raising us. Get up and do what I've called you to do. You don't know what I've called you to do? Maybe you should figure it out. I haven't hidden it from you. Uh, so it's, it's this growth idea that I think is, is so important. So we'll talk about this more on Sunday.
0: Yeah. so your challenge for the week (laughs) there was nothing in Jesus that needed to be washed clean the other gospel writers Matthew and Luke basically have John the Baptist say whoa I don't want to do this Uh, you need to do this to me Um, but that's not us so is there a place in your life that you need to invite Jesus to wash clean um We only baptize you only get baptized once in our tradition right but that doesn't mean that our baptism is not supposed to bear down on us every day we say you'll hear us say especially during confirmation time remember your baptism and be thankful those places in our life that need to be washed clean The source of that is because we have decided at one point in our life or another that I'm not thankful and that God's not doing His job so I've got to go out on my own, right? Do things on my terms. So that's your challenge today is to just give God some space to show you where you haven't been thankful. Those places that need to be washed clean and to remember your baptism. And to walk in newness of life today doesn't have to be tomorrow, but today.
1: And if you've never been baptized, it's probably time to fix that. Um, you're not above Jesus. Uh, if 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 Stephen, I can help with that. Um, we can do it in public. We can do it in private. We, we can we can get it done. But it is very important. And Steve's right. Um, we understand that once God performs the act of giving the Holy Spirit, you don't you just keep doing it over and over and over. There's, there's no reason for that. But if you're at a place in your life when you need to have some cleansing, if you need to get back in the water again, um, I, I, we're, we're down for that. Um, whatever it takes to be close for God. We're not going to baptize you again, but we can go through a re- reaffirmation. Um, we, we can, um, you know, I got back in the water at, uh, in Galilee um, just to sort of renew myself, um, even though I was baptized as a kid. I wasn't baptized again, but it's, it's something when you get above your head again. When God is so much part of your life, it's more than, than what you can handle. It's a good place. So anyway, let's pray and we'll head out. Father God, thank you for this morning. Just a couple of words you share, but they are earth-shattering words. Lord God, you've got a big plan. You've been working it since the very beginning. You've created us and hovered over us and prepared us to be temples for your Holy Spirit. Places that you might reside. Not in a temple or a garden, but within us as a doorway to eternity. So Father, let us see where we are. We're in the time of the Word. We're in the time of the end. We're in the time of Jesus. Let us understand that. What we do, what we choose to do, how we live our life, matters so very much to You. Help us to be found faithful. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen.
2: I'm going you.